0: Right, welcome everyone to Fazlifts episode uh, eight. I'm very excited today because I've got a uh, very high level uh, bodybuilding coach on. uh, My coach, Adding Pins from Team Stacking Plates. Uh, So thank you very much for being here. Uh, I'm just going to do a quick introduction for for Adding. So Adding Pins is one half of Team Stacking Plates alongside her husband, Chester Rockwell. in terms of the history of adding pin, she uh, started off as a runner when she was very young, then got into bodybuilding after a knee issue, uh, and she's been uh, bodybuilding and coaching ever since. Uh, a large sort of feather in her cap last year uh, was her coaching two IFBB pros, which is amazing. I think that's uh, awesome. Uh, I think lots of, uh, you know, lots, there are lots of coaches out there, and it's it's great when a coach does a successful prep, but it's even better when you can actually coach one to be an IFBB pro, so I think that's absolutely fantastic. Um, so, think thank you very much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me, If you can call me AP, that works too, probably a bit more comfortable.
0: <laughs> awesome, definitely I will do. All right, so, AP, we will begin with uh, the first question. So, uh, what would your priorities as a coach be for a female who is entirely new to the gym tracking lifestyle, uh specifically in terms of nutrition where would you begin
1: in terms of nutrition okay well that's that's generally the most overwhelming part of the programming um so i try to make it as simple as possible and it's going to where we start varies from where the individual is actually at so i'll usually have them um i won't change anything at first actually particularly if they've never tracked before Hmm. recommend that you just get used to the habit of tracking so don't change your eating habits but get a good tracking app and just start you know logging whatever you eat Mm -hmm. and um, just get comfortable with that habit and you teach them you know how to weigh things how to properly log recipes and then once they're a bit more comfortable with that then we can get a good idea of where their natural eating habits leave them in terms of macros and calories and then see where is the most realistic point to move from there. Um, generally, you know, the best thing anybody can do for themselves is learn how many calories it takes to maintain their weight because that's the baseline for everything. If you know that number, then just a tweak in percentage will help you to start to grow, a Tweak in it um, to make it a deficit will begin uh, shedding fat. So, we definitely spend a lot of time um, establishing that baseline, and you know I like to keep women at maintenance as much as possible. You can actually make quite transformative effects just putting a woman on maintenance calories and then have her on some basic training programs so that that 's usually where I would start with somebody new
0: that, that sounds great i mean i I generally start off the same way, so for a complete newbie, I'll just start with the process of tracking. Now, in terms of the difficulties that I've had, um, it's, it's really been a case of getting them into the habits and being able to use the right sort of uh, tracking software. What what do you recommend to your clients, what tracking software?
1: My favorite is Chronometer, but it's that's just because of the amount of information that it gives, but it's not actually the easiest tracking app to use. <laughs> but, you know, if somebody's never used one before and you just, you know, they don't have anything to compare it to. I actually find the ones that have the most difficulty with it are ones that are used to, like, my fitness pal or other apps, and then they switch to that, and it's a little bit more meticulous. But um, that is my favorite tracking app. Excellent.
0: And uh, what sort of difficulties have you run into when trying to explain the process of measuring food out? Because I think that's really quite intimidating. When, when I first started it, not having someone to actually show me visually. Uh, or through writings, and how can how do I actually track this stuff? I was scanning in a lot of labels and things like that. So, what what sort of methods do you use for to to get down to this, the nitty gritty of actually tracking your food, weighing things out, etc.?
1: Well, if somebody's having a specific problem, I may actually just film a little YouTube video for them. Mm. Like this is how you can track your oil. Put it on the scale. Um, press tear point whatever put it back on and that's how many grams that you use ta-da yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean take it problem by problem yeah. um the best thing you can do like i said it's quite overwhelming so just make it as simple as possible and just keep you know uh repeating that consistency is the key you know don't don't be stressing out about oh well this app says this much for three ounces. this app says this much because yes that's I can be really overwhelming, but just, just pick one, mm-hmm. stick with it. doesn't matter if it's you know, 30 calories higher or lower than the other one. Um, just stay consistent.
0: I, I like that approach. And I, I often say to my clients, you know, where we start is simply a line in the sand. And how you, how you uh, uh, sort of react to that is then deciding, in fact, where we're going to go. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So let's say you've established. Um, Maintenance sort of routine, They've got a good track on being able to uh, sort of track their food, etc. Um, what, where do you push them to towards the next? What are the, the more the, the later sort of interests that you might work with?
1: I guess it depends on their goals. Where we go next, um, as I said, you know a lot of women end up really, really liking how they look and feel once they just realize how many calories that it takes to maintain their body weight. And honestly. A lot of my coaching is just to get women to that number. <laughs> um, that alone can be a little bit of a difficulty because women are often told that they overestimate how much they need and a certain type of female hearing this ends up chronically under eating and absolutely believing that their maintenance is 1400 calories, and just getting them like, well, you know, you're actually really, really tall. So there's zero ways. <laughs> this, is, this is your maintenance. So that can just be, you know, I can take months sometimes. And as much as I would love to just throw it on them and be like, no, you know, grow up, eat this amount. That's not, it's not realistic for some people. And you have to be compassionate and work with their comfort
0: yeah i I totally agree i had a client a few years ago and um it was fairly obvious that she was having some binge issues on the weekend and she was she saw blind she was only eating 800 calories every day you know for like a year which it was just it was just about physically impossible um so when i tried to put her on a higher level of calories which reflected more of maintenance uh unfortunately it never really worked out um and she just she just couldn't handle that it can
1: be really hard and you know um I deeply sympathize because I've been there. You know, I have been told by coaches for ages that, you know, I I couldn't eat this, I couldn't eat that. I was too fat for that. I was definitely overestimating my maintenance, and I well, I was was not. (laughs) Just put it that way. Um, And eating more, yes, you know, for some people it can it can trigger a type of panic that makes them overeat because they're just like, oh my gosh, if I eat this amount, I'm going to get fat, and they just it can trigger some very violent reactions. So I don't agree with reverse dieting at all. But in these cases, sometimes you have to just make small increases yes. just to get them comfortable. You know, like, okay, look, let's, let's not try and up everything at once. Which macro are you comfortable eating more of? What do you, what do you like? What do you like to eat? Do you like nut butters? Great. We're going to up just your fats. Let's get your fats up. So let's just start adding in. And bit by bit, you know, they get comfortable and they realize, hey, I'm feeling better as I eat more. Hey, I'm looking great as I eat more. And they become desensitized and the fear goes away just by you know facing it and slowly, incrementally moving them away from the bad habits.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I can speak to the fact that there is a light at the end of the tunnel because I I generally always felt that I had a fairly slow metabolism. But after working with you guys, I, I can maintain my body weight now on, 32, calories pretty easily. Um, so there, once you get it right, and once your body is really clicking in the right way, uh, it, it, y- you can do a lot with it. You'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. You
1: we weren't treated gently, we just
0: like, eat this! <laughs> <laughs> it, it worked, it worked great. Um, also, I think that's a really good wrap up for that question, so thank you for that. Um, moving on to the next one then, so this is f- some feedback that I've had a lot from uh, Either women I coach, not so much women I coach, I guess, but certainly women I've talked to, women I, I, I've worked with previously, um, that entering a gym for the first time and committing to a training routine can be an intimidating experience. So they sort of prefer the kind of splint class routine, sort of the, you know, the general, we're working together as a class, everybody do this. I'm not really a fan of that. Um, And what would be your advice here to get someone to do something which is a bit more individualized and really stress the importance of hard weightlifting as opposed to just doing, you know, spin classes?
1: Well, I think um, at least initially, if somebody's really, really frightened to go to the gym and that spin class is the difference between exercising and not exercising, do the spin class at least initially, you know. um, But there are limits to that. Because um, it's it's only training your lower body and you've got a completely, you know, you've got a top half, too, Uh which can't be be ignored. (laughs) Particularly for women, you know, the issue of bone density is a big one. Uh And spin class, you do have a certain amount of impact, but it's generally not as effective as resistance training for protecting your bone density or even improving, if possible but um, weightlifting is something that women should consider or resistance training of some kind Mm. for that reason, for bone density, you know, depending on your childhood and your diet during your teens, you may never have even reached peak bone density. And wherever you're at, we start going down from our mid twenties Mm. and resistance training can help you protect what you have uh, as long as it's paired with proper diet, of course, but Um, It can help you protect what you have, or in some cases, I have seen some cases of improvements, but long story short, if you want to be somebody who breaks their hip by, you know, closing a door too hard and the wind blows on you, um, you will neglect weight training. It is something that you will want to sort of ease yourself towards some form in time. And, um, you know, even if it means, okay, you're more comfortable with a group setting, looking at the other classes at your gym that includes weightlifting. You know, take that same group of friends that you're comfortable with and move over into one of these group classes to sort of get you started. Um, those classes, you know, some depending on the instructor, they can be really good if they're smaller classes and you have one or two instructors that are gonna be watching you perform, it could be a really good way to sort of slowly you know, acclimatize to weightlifting. Um, another option is, you know, hire a, a house trainer mm-hmm. and, uh, if you're not comfortable, you know, if you, if you're afraid of taking on a program on your own, uh, that could be an easy way to get in, you know, hire a trainer that you feel comfortable with and have them show you around the weight room. The the equipment can be really overwhelming. You know, even, even I have been in the gym for years when there's, you saw me on the pendulum machine, I got stuck. Uh,
0: you know, <laughs> yeah, can, we talked about that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It can be overwhelming. I absolutely get it.
0: Yeah, it happens to me too.
1: Yeah, you know, and so I can absolutely understand. And of course, if you've never been in the weight room and you've got all of these, you know, contraptions, it can be overwhelming and it can be enough to deter someone. So in those cases, hire a trainer or or go in with a friend who, you know, has been lifting for a while and will be welcome to show you.
0: (laughs) It's a really good point regarding the bone density. It's not something I've already considered. Is, is that more um, exclusive to women? Uh, I, I really don't know too much about it.
1: I think women are more at risk for osteoporosis than men, but mm. I believe we all lose bone density as we age. Brilliant. But it's a much bigger problem for women. And um, like I said, also too, you know, we have a lot of problem with this dieting culture now where girls are dieting younger and younger and um, they can be affecting their bone development oh, maturity yeah I,
0: th- I think that's a great point, so aside from bone density um, and and what what are the benefits can we get from an actual a uh, hard sort of resistance training routine which would, which should appeal to women?
1: Body composition changes of course, you know many times um, the bodies that the women are wanting to look like have more lean mass than them and it can have absolutely transformative effects on a physique just having you to know, five pounds of lean mass which will take time but um, it makes it easier to diet when you have more lean mass too so you can get a little bit leaner you can generally get a better overall look to your body with more lean mass.
0: I, I 100% agree and the feedback that I've got from women who arrive at me having had the experience of crash dieting on lots of cardio before, is that they they have lost a lot of weight, scale weight previously, and it's come on—it's come back on just as fast. And I tend to think in those circumstances, it probably wasn't fat loss; it was a lot of glycogen and water, um, and because of the crash diet and the lack of resistance training. Whereas, if you have a situation where you've got a lady who's resistance training, she's looking to sensibly increase her weights in the gym. She's able to do that because she's eating a good diet while the weight loss will be slower, it will more likely be fat, true fat loss and actually stay off. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Also too, if you're, um, I find the, the rebound rate is harder on women with, this is anecdotal, but on women with lower um, lean body mass, because to get them sort of lean, that sort of lean type look, you generally end up pushing a woman with low lean mass into underweight territory to sort of get that look and the body gets really, really unhappy with that. And the knee-jerk reaction, it's just a really, really strong slingshot out of there because it's not happy with that. Whereas when you have a little more lean mass, you can get that look within a healthy weight uh, or a healthier weight where the body isn't so uh, defensive.
0: I I think that's a great point. It's a great summary of, of the benefits of resistance training. And for any women who are out there, just, you know, who, and this speaks to you, um, you know, you've got a, a very high level coach telling you that this is a good idea for everybody, regardless of your rate of experience. So that's fantastic. Thank you. Um,
1: um, thank you. I, before I forget, women generally don't have really good upper body strength, naturally. We have a lower amount of lean mass in our upper body's lower amount of strength. And resistance training, even if it's just body weight training, can improve your overall functionality. You know, it's quite an empowering thing to be a woman who can't move a five-gallon bottle of water and then able to lift that up and put it on the water dispenser in your office. And these are things that weightlifting can, can move you towards. Um, just better quality of life, being able to do more for yourself because it's actually a striking amount of women who I'll be at the grocery store and we buy a, we buy in bulk and I'll be watching this lady deadlifting um, <laughs> <laughs> a, a two gallon pack of milk you know <laughs> really struggling to get this oxygen you know so these are things that weightlifting can actually help you with and i'm not i'm not going to laugh at these people i'm just saying how you know, lifting
0: um, no of course yeah yeah i understand I, I think that's a great point about empowering women as well i think that's a, it's a super good point so uh yeah d- definitely something that that I think that will speak to a lot of the audience. That's really good. really good. Um, so moving on to the next question. So now looking at more, uh, let's say a lady, a lady who's been in the gym for a while and she's looking to enter her, her first time competition, uh, you know, a physique competition. So thinking of contest prep, um, fir- first time coaching a female to contest shape. Um, what, what, what are we looking for? What am I in for there?
1: I, as in you, the coach?
0: Yeah, let's say, let's say I'm the coach and I have a first-time female client who's looking to compete this year. Um, what am I in for?
1: Okay. Um, one thing is that female athletes tend to need a more, refeeds more regularly than men, definitely. Mm. Um, you know, we're pushing... Female bodies are kind of resistant, are very resistant to dieting. And in the case of a physique athlete, you are taking a woman who's at a healthy body fat level and pushing her into territories that are, you know, borderline quite unhealthy, if not just flat out unhealthy. So the kind of pushback that you're gonna be getting from the body is, much, is very strong. So it's very important to make sure that refeeds are a part of their programming. Um, also that will help in terms of them being able to adhere as well particularly at certain parts of, you know, the menstrual cycle where appetite just goes through the roof. You know, you're going to have an increase in appetite anyways from dieting. You know, I think you have changes in leptin levels within the first week, you have like a 30 to 50% drop. Um, And that alone can start making all of these changes that get you hungrier, that gets you, um, you know, metabolic rate drops. But then you add in the wonderful effects <laughs> of PMS where you just, you're hungry, your stress tolerance is lower. Um, it's just really, really important to make sure that your female athlete has a light at the end of the tunnel regularly. So I don't recommend um, having a refeed or not having a refeed for longer than two weeks, two days in a row at a surplus.
0: That's really interesting. So if we were to sort of structure that, would that be a case of say, yeah, let's say, you know, we wouldn't go longer than two weeks, but let's say, for example, a regular a regular weekly two-day refeed and then perhaps an additional larger one around the menstrual period. Would that be reasonable?
1: You can absolutely do that. I mean, how, how gently or how hard you push will depend on a few things. It's going to depend on how far away the show is and the conditioning of the athlete. Um, also, you know, some women are a little bit more sensitive. Like they, they get, kick back really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Many times those are women who diet frequently. You know, they really didn't take that long of an off season. And then the minute they return to the deficit, the body's like, oh, this again. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah,
0: totally.
1: Off right up the bat. So you have to take the individual into account. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely a perfectly acceptable strategy to move somebody to a maintenance when their cravings are the worst or just structure a refeed around, like I said, around that time. Put one there so that they can um, have it either when they're the hungriest, or at least have it the week where they're the hungriest. So they can it helps with adherence that way.
0: I'm going to ask you a follow-up question because I think this will be on the minds of a lot of people who are listening. How, if we are taking fairly frequent refeeds, how aggressive can we be during those diet days? Um, but what, what, what are you thinking? Since the, the weight loss will naturally be a little bit slower, even by percentage, how aggressive can we be?
1: I don't like to be too aggressive because the, um, in my, we're talking about the natural female athlete. You don't yeah. want to be too aggressive. You don't want to have too large drops right off the bat. Um, just, I find that that tends to trigger these knee-jerk reactions a lot faster. I prefer to stay um, within like the 15 percent drops you know that's a safe range uh, anything smaller than that well you know too much but um you don't want to be too aggressive how aggressive you can go will depend on the person like i said some people are very sensitive and there's a very very strong psychological factor as well mm. um when you're dining sometimes just your attitude and and relationship with your eating can change um and it can be greater or less in different people um so you may just find women that have incredible anxiety just at the thought of dropping their calories so in those women you definitely don't want to be packing off hundreds of calories at a time because that anxiety alone can push them into very bad um, behavior it can affect their behavior with their eating and even trigger binges.
0: Or, I've read also that that sort of level of anxiety can actually translate into physical symptoms of feeling lightheaded and, and, and hypo, uh, hyperglycemic. So it, whereas you may have a situation where somebody's like, look, I need to eat every X number of hours. I must have this food. I must have this. Or I'm going to go lightheaded. A lot of that can be psychosomatic.
1: It, it can be, yes, I definitely can't, can't rule that out. Um, mm-hmm. I've never had that myself. I generally don't enforce um, a certain amount of meals. I explain, like, listen, you don't have to be eating eight meals a day, but if eating eight little meals a day is what's gonna get you to it, hair have at it. You know, that's fine. Just don't go over your calories or don't really eat.
0: On, uh, on that note, it's just a slightly off the topic, but um, in regards to fasting, uh, so intermittent fasting, different fasting protocols, either 16-8, 24-hour fast, etc. cetera, um, with the differences with men and women, what have you found in that regard and how well women can cope with fasting um, on, a, on, a, on a fat loss phase? Women,
1: in my experience, don't do that well on intermittent fasting, at least to a certain point hmm. um, pushing pushing your first meal a little bit later in the day can sometimes help to control how many calories that you have in the day, but uh, I found that that can they can get away with it for so long and then all of a sudden some bad things start to happen again Like I, I found that it can increase the likelihood of a binge, some women find that when they Force their eating window smaller when they're really really hungry, but they're just waiting 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 to eat when they finally do It can be it can actually make them overeat. Mm -hmm. So, I will say to somebody who's interested in it You can kind of do it ad hoc if you're having a day Where you really just aren't that hungry and you feel like you can push your first meal forward comfortably to condense your eating window Go ahead. Give it a try uh, if you try it and bad things happen, that's the end of it. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much how I would approach that. I don't enforce it. I don't say it's a bad idea, um, but it will depend on the person.
0: Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, so just changing gears a little bit. Um, can and uh, I guess should women train with more relative volume than, than men?
1: Can? um Yes, I mean, should is a different question. I mean, I generally don't like to set rules on this because depending on who's listening, (laughs) you tell one person more volume's good, they'll add a drop set. You tell the next person to add more volume and their entire life turns into a circuit. So um, when it comes to picking volume for clients, I always start right at the bottom right at the bottom amount of effective volume because it can be very individual how much a person needs. So go right down to the bottom of 40 to 70 reps per muscle group twice a week. Um, And stay on the low end of that and see what happens. And um, I find that, I I personally find that my female clients tend to do better on the lower to moderate end of things, personally. Hmm. but i know that female um women can do better when certain load percentages like they can push it for higher reps than men mm-hmm. but again when it comes to how much they need for say hypertrophy i don't want to put a general rule that you need to be putting women on higher volume right off the bat. always start from the bottom yeah
0: i think as with everything we sort of individualize and personalize yeah it's it's, it's certainly interesting to speak in generalities but in regards to actual coaching individuals, I think we, we generally take the same sort of approach and, and treat individual case uh, as, as its own. Awesome. Um, all right, so moving on to uh, a sort of a slightly different topic regarding the, the menstrual cycle. We've kind of touched on it a little bit in terms of nutrition, but um, something that I've been interested in over the years is how should a coach adjust Nutrition and training uh, for their female clients according to their menstrual cycle. Is is this something we should even really take note of with regards to training? Certainly, we might do in regards to nutrition. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Answer this carefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are definite changes in the female body in terms of how they respond to training and certain um, macros at different points of their cycle. Mm-hmm. But there's also something to be said about reducing the stress levels of the client. And what I will usually recommend in these cases is can you make these changes? Absolutely. Should you make these changes? It depends on where you are at and and what your disposition is, because that level of micromanagement can absolutely optimize your programming. Mm -hmm. But sometimes what is optimal can distract from what is essential. And that's something you have to be careful with. It's going to depend on the person. And, you know, if that level of micromanagement is going to be overwhelming to you or feed into a level, an issue that you have with control, because, you know, there are, there's a certain type of female dieter that will... Um, not be able to sleep until they rush and change their uh, log because a grape rolled out of their fruit salad. So they didn't eat it. So, you know, there's, (laughs) there's a certain type of dieter out there that will benefit from these type of adjustments and others that will not. And what I would recommend is start with the absolute basic programming, focus on the essentials, you know, Get how, learn how many calories that it takes to maintain your weight and then learn how many calories it takes to sensibly um, achieve your goals and see if you are somebody that can respond and get to your goals with this basic programming because if you can and you're comfortable and you're not struggling with certain things um, at points of your cycle when it comes to training. Let me go back. Let me just focus on nutrition first. Mm-hmm. If you can get away with the simplest form of programming, do it. You know, because I have been prepping my athletes on just linear calorie, linear macros throughout the week. And then obviously the refeeds, but not toggling, not making these changes in terms of the menstrual cycle and they're getting, you know, great results. So is it, can it be done and can it be beneficial? Yes, absolutely. Does it need to be done? see the, per- you know, check with the person first, see how the person responds to more basic
0: programming. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, love it, fantastic answer. And I, I think that's generally how I start as well. Um, as, as I said previously, I think we all, we all tend to, it's fun to talk in generalities, but in, we'll generally start off with a sort of individual approach, and the reality is just getting them down to a basic, uh, easy, basic routine. The easiest routine that they can progress on, I think is, is a good standard to start with. Um, awesome. So I'm actually out of questions, but I feel like I've got such a good resource here on, on training and diet and women in general. Um, I'd like to just ask you if there's anything else, um, you would stress as, uh, a coach, uh, in general.
1: Well, I didn't actually finish answering my question.
0: Okay.
1: Section. <laughs> um, should you adjust your training according hmm. to your menstrual cycle? This I would definitely lean more towards. Yes, absolutely. Um, but this is more in response to monitoring your energy levels just as a human being in the later section of our cycle, say week four, sometimes even for some women into week three, we get more lethargic um, coordination goes down, energy level is down, strength is down. And during these types of your, times of your cycle, it can be you're at a greater risk of injury. If you're trying to say, do something like high intensity intervals, you know, if you're, you are, if your coordination is down, that's probably not the best time to be pushing that sort of thing. Um, So I would recommend that if you are somebody who finds yourself very, you know, definitely your quality of life is impacted by your menstrual cycle. During those weeks, feel free to pull back on your training. With my clients, I recommend that they either reduce the weight or reduce the sets, or rep count or a combination of all of the above. I've even had some cases where some women um, just were feeling so bad and they take a few days off. You know, it's, um, you wanna work with your energy levels and you should never be, you shouldn't be pushing your body when deep down, you know, this is probably not a good idea. Mm -hmm. So particularly when if any of my girls have um, intervals on their preps, any time that they get sent that in their programming, there's a huge disclaimer on the top where it says, If at any point you're going into these and you feel as though you are not able to maintain control of your form in your intervals, if your energy levels are low and you just don't feel that you really have it in you to push to this intensity, do not attempt this workout, please, just do this or skip, skip it completely. And I find that when you teach somebody to sort of respect their energy levels, and this can be for men, too, by the way, if you're just feeling lethargic, if you haven't been sleeping, if you ate less yesterday, and if you're just listening to your energy levels and just adjust your training recording, um, you can get better results that way. And, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree regarding uh, the training. Um, I don't work with as many female clients as I would like to, but I'd certainly like more experience in that. But with regards to men, I have a fair bit of um, inbuilt individualization with the routine. So... There's sort of a, a feedback that I can provide my clients depending on how well they're feeling during the course of the week is how strongly they'll sort of progress or they'll just stay the same that week uh, in terms of how much volume they're doing or in terms of how much weight they're lifting. So there is that sort of inbuilt a um, uh, gauge for, for my training. I think that's really useful. Yeah, That's perfect. Awesome. Okay, brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I I, I do really. Feel sorry about interrupting you earlier. <laughs> so, uh, I do feel like I should should get you back on once I think of some more questions. But is there anything else that you feel you'd like to stress as as a coach? As a coach,
1: um, hmm.
0: just in general for sort of female training, diet, etc.
1: One thing that I'll actually give an advice to other coaches, hmm. particularly when you're dealing with women there is this and it's not wrong but there is this general um assumption that when a woman comes to you saying hey i'm eating 1200 calories and i'm not losing weight the answer is ha ha you're not you're not you're eating more than you think you are mm-hmm. and um thanks, love. Chess is in the room by the way and i just got past some note, so i feel really really <laughs> important right now <laughs> thanks <you. laughs> I'll do that, yes. I don't remember what I was just saying. Um,
0: It was regarding um, a a woman eating, say, 1200 calories and being told by a coach, (laughs) you know, she's not eating that much.
1: There's a chance that she is not tracking correctly, but there's also a chance that she might be an individual who has been chronically dieting for ages and has been eating that much, really, for a very long time. And telling a person like that you're not tracking properly or you need to, you know, you need to eat less. That's very dangerous. Mm. So in those people, yes, it's good to assess eating habits, but I've actually more often than not in those situations, these women were tracking correctly, but they have been chronically dieting. And the minute that you pull, you increase their intake to maintenance, they just, um, their bodies start changing, they start feeling better. So some women are in fact chronically under eating and you can't, you can't just generalize that sort of you know, report from a client or a, a new client. You can't just assume that. That's something you need to be careful with and I see it happening a lot and I've seen some bad effects come from it because then these women start pushing their intake lower and lower and lower and this is so bad, you know, Dieting is rough <laughs> on the body. And you know, when a woman has been chronically dieting for a long time, it has really bad changes. Bone density is one, like we've talked about, you know, the body will leach calcium from bones. So you, um yeah, that's something that you need to watch out for as a coach.
0: I think that's a, that's a great point. And it relates back to one of the first things you were saying about just taking a female client right back up to maintenance. And have her performing some good resistance training and just seeing seeing what happens there uh which is you know which is a great strategy i think
1: thank you yeah it's definitely um i personally maybe it's just the type of client that i attract mm-hmm. but i personally find that women tend to need encouragement knowing that it's okay to eat that you're allowed to eat like, there's this there's this shame that I notice that comes along with it. You really have to convince some clients like you deserve to eat. Your body deserves food, you know, just because you want to change the way that you look, just because you are um, unhappy with perhaps your body composition, doesn't mean that you need to punish yourself with starvation. The route to the road to looking the way that you want to may in fact be by eating more. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a lesson that
0: I wish more women knew. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a great point. It's one of my frustrations with, with what I see with some coaches out there is this sort of rigid, um, rigid script that they'll have to, you know, w- with their clients in terms of, okay, you're not losing weight. Well, obviously, you know, you're not tracking enough. You gotta eat less, blah, blah, blah. Uh, or various rigid recommendations, which I think are ultimately quite harmful um, to, to their clients, whether they're male or, or female um so yeah as in either things like that or just sort of voodoo things like you know you got to stop eating bread or you got to do fasted cardio and, and sort of these kind of very very general recommendations without any nuances um i, I find a lot of that it's it's sort of opens a window into what type of coach that they are potentially um and it, it's not it, it can be quite damaging
1: it can be damaging and many times those are coaches that don't want to put too much effort into the situation. So what yeah. they'll do is they'll give these really, really restrictive guidelines that will guarantee results because they're not eating anything. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. exactly, exactly. And then the, but then the, the thing is always, well, what happens afterwards? What about the aftercare? Uh, are they going to blow back up afterwards, you know, because they've just been restricted for too long and then all of a sudden they kind of snap and, and away they go. So I think your approach certainly that you took with me was, was a much more nurturing approach and kind of figuring out what I wanted to do and then just pushing me in the right direction. And that, and that really worked well.
1: well. I'm glad you enjoyed your experience.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I certainly did. <laughs> it wasn't easy, but we got there in the end. That's true. <laughs> oh, wow.
1: we did so, and we pushed you hard, by the way, like don't, mm-hmm. you know, when he says nurturing, he's uh, <laughs> i was like I, I very gently coaxed him to stay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: it was uh, we had to, there were some long some long cardio sessions and some some dry meals involved but we, we got there. that's good <laughs> that
1: was a situation where you know our prep time you know that was a situation where we generally wouldn't want to do that if we had more time but we mm. had a certain amount of time to get something done and in those yeah. cases sometimes you have to
0: yeah, 100%. I, I would have done exactly the same thing with another client. It was just a case of, it was a mountain of a job <laughs> and we, we had a limited amount of time. So yeah, there was, there was absolutely zero zero wrong with what we did. I thought it, was, I thought it worked very, very well considering the circumstances um, and had no rebound afterwards, which is, which is awesome. So uh, proof's in the pudding. you know,
1: I mean, you the work in.
0: That was great. <laughs> right. Uh, thank you very much. It really was a pleasure for you to be on and uh, to have you on. And uh, I love the fact that we could put something out there for uh beginner women you know the casual gen pop kind of women female clients and also for competitors as well because i think it's a it is a very nuanced um particularly when we talk about the details of of coaching females It is a very nuanced uh thing and uh, it's nice to have someone who's such an expert uh, on, on women's uh, coaching to be able to talk freely on this so uh big thank you and, and uh, i hope a lot of people tune into this one
1: Thank you. I wouldn't call myself
0: an expert, but I absolutely appreciate the (laughs) question. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. And uh, right, uh, we'll speak soon. Take care. Okay. Have a
1: good one.